0: turn, if you will, to Matthew's gospel, chapter 25 and verse 14. Matthew's gospel, chapter 25 and verse 14. Matthew 25, 14. We, we live in a day and an, an era that is kind of scary in the church when it comes to giftings and power. In the West, in Europe, and in America also, there's a great dearth of spiritual power. Amen? Yeah, you go to some parts of Africa and you will see people just like you. Listen, everybody. You can go to parts of Africa and you can find people just like you who will raise the dead. My good friend Shane Kamiski was in a meeting just a few weeks ago and I think he said there was 10 people in the meeting who had raised many people from the dead. All 10 of them. So it's not that there's a shortage of God's power. No way. There's plenty of God's power. But when I'm born in the Western world here, when I'm born in a a society that piles education into my brain, when I'm born in a society that has a superb health system, without even knowing it, I become super smart... So, so much so that you don't need God, or so you think. And the, 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 the West, you who live in the West, if we're not careful, we get duped, we get ripped off from the blessings that are freely available to all of us in this day. Amen. Amen. All the power that flows through Uganda, for example, right now, or Brazil right now, where we're seeing many miracles, many, 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 many miracles, all of that same power God wants here now in Glasgow. The problem is the people. That's the problem? The problem is the education systems. The problem is the society, the culture in which we grew up. God doesn't love the people in Brazil any more than the people in Glasgow. I don't think so anyway. No, He doesn't. There's no difference. It's the same for Him. People are people. And when you see revival in one place, it's not because God is favoring that place. It's because the people, the people in that place are doing something. The people in that place are switched on to something that we are not. Now, I want to get very personal this morning. When are you not personal, Pastor Mike? I hear you say, (laughs) I want to get very, very personal this morning. For you. For you. Who are you? What percentage of the church know who they are? Small, tiny, little, insignificant, ridiculous percentage. Who, Who among you really know who you are? I mean in terms of the, the you that God created and the you that God dreamed about. And you can tell me I'm a chemist, I'm a pharmacist, I'm a doctor, I'm an engineer. I don't care about what you can do. I can go and get a qualification if I want. Anybody can get qual. It doesn't mean that's who you are. Mommy and daddy could have looked at you and thought, Hmm, what's the best academic... Pr- I know what we get... Hello! And then you start to identify yourself by the thing that maybe culture or society put on. I'm not talking about that. We can all do that. We can all play the world's game, society's game, and forget that we have a Bible at all. And today, I wouldn't have chosen this message, but I had a very strong word from God to talk to you this morning, to you, about this thing, this subject, which is your gifting. I don't mean, you know, so much what you're good at. You can go and study. As I say, you can get a qualification. We can all do that. I'm not talking about that. Listen, look up, everybody. Listen really carefully. If I want to be a doctor, okay, a medical doctor, for example, I can do that. I can work very, 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 very hard. You don't have to be gifted. All you have to do is work hard, and I could become that thing. All of us. If you were determined enough, you could do that the difference with that and gifting is gifting's easy. When God gives you a gift, that thing is easy for you. It's simple for you. And when I sit with you and pray with some of you as you go through your qualifications, you know where I'm going, don't you? (laughs) I, I sometimes doubt whether this is particularly easy for you. I sometimes wonder are you actually on the right road there guys because uh, gifting is easy calling makes things easy that's why it's a gift right if someone's on the keyboard you can discipline like Pui Dr. Pui Wong, when she was here Pui was not a natural keyboard player she couldn't read music but man she worked hard she worked very hard and she got up there and God bless her she played the keyboard and you didn't maybe know too much difference but someone else like Suyin is born. It's different. You understand? It's a natural thing that flows out of a person's spirit. That's gifting. I want to get to you. I want to get to the you. Why is there a dearth of spiritual power in the West? Because the people are buried under education, buried under a health system, buried under their cultures, and you have to dig through all of that and all the booby traps and defenses that are built in you know by parents and everything else there's a whole load of problems you hit but you need to be pretty ruthless about getting to the person that you are i'm telling you mark my words and remember what i say to you right now for the rest of your life the person that finds their gift they find their life They find their life. They find the life in all its fullness that God planned and predestined them for. And I guarantee you this, God will do a better job of your life than you will. He will do a better job than you will if you will only take the time and find that thing. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, Jesus told a story about your gift and the many people who don't find it or don't use it and the some who do. Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, uh, 14. Again, the kingdom of God it's talking about. Again, the kingdom of God will be like a man going on a journey. This is Jesus raising from the dead and going back to heaven, who called his servants. Who's that? That's you. And entrusted them with his wealth. What's that? gifts, entrusted them with his wealth. To one he gave five gifts, five bags of gold. To another he gave two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability. Very important point. Then he went on his journey. Christ returns to heaven, takes a seat at the right hand of the Father. The man who had received five bags, five gifts, went out at once and put his money to work, and he gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one, he was embarrassed. He was ashamed it looked so, so little in comparison to the others. Comparison, comparison, comparison. But the man who had received the one bag went off and he dug a hole in the ground and he hid his master's money. After a long time, 2,000 years, the, 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 the master of those servants returned and settles his account with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought another five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. I gave you one gift. You used it well. I will now increase the giftings that I give to you. Come and share in my master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came and said, Master, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Verse 24. Then the man who had received the one ba- bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seeds. So I was afraid, and I went, and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And look at the harsh treatment this guy gets, man. This is, this is serious stuff. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvested where I had not sown and gathered where I had not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put the money on deposit with bankers. So then I, w- I, I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him. Oh, and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw, look at this, look at verse 30, it's scary stuff. And and throw that worthless servant into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, uh, scary stuff, you know. Jesus, Jesus is very strong. Most preachers that you listen to will never speak to you like Jesus because they'd be too frightened. <laughs> take this person who hasn't you and throw them into darkness. Oh, pastor, take it easy. You can't say that they're born again. Don't talk to people like that. This is Jesus talking. He takes it incredibly seriously. Now, we need gifts. We need you to find your gift, to find out what God has made you for, because the church needs it, Glasgow needs it. We need gifts, remember, not people. Not, not, don't don't add your name there. We need gifts. You can tell, for example, we need evangelists. How do you tell a gifted evangelist? Because people get saved effortlessly. When a person is a gifted evangelist and they preach the gospel, boom, boom, boom. God accompanies the gift with salvation. That's how you tell. By their fruits, you shall know the gift. By the fruit it bears. You can claim to be anything, right? But the gift is evidenced by God. This is an important biblical principle. People can call themselves all manner of things. Be careful. The gift by their fruit you shall know them. How do you know someone who's got a gift of healing? Is an easy one for you. Because people get healed. People get healed. The gift is evidenced by the fruit. By their fruits you shall know them. But first of all, you're going to have to find that gift within you. And this is, uh, to say this is an important point, it, it, it saddens me, you know. We have looked at this many, 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 many times. But I fear that for the most part, the people that I've spoken to in my lifetime are very similar to the people that Jesus spoke to. Because Jesus spoke to the masses and they said, I've just got to go and bury my father. (laughs) I've just bought a new yoke of oxen here, Jesus. I'll be straight back. And nothing has changed in 2,000 years. We throw out the invitation, go church planting or whatever, and the answers are the same, just in a different vogue so let's stop one moment and consider who you are and take a bit like we did with the prodigal son i wanted to look at the prodigal son with with new eyes with new vision and see what what i have not seen there i want to do the same with this parable here the parable of the talents i've given you nine simple points and i want you to consider them on each one because these could be the blockages that are holding you back in ways that you, ha- you could not count. So, some things about the gifts, some points, general points about the gifts then. Number one, the giving of spiritual gifts is God's domain, not yours. Now, again, look up at me, please. Listen. Who gets what is none of your business. Who gave the gifts? Who gave out the bags of gold? The Master. And we have created a church in our age that is consumerist. And many pastors go to their people and they say this, what gift do you want? (laughs) You know, it's not Asda. What gift do you want? What do you want? Just, I mean, choose one. How how crazy is that? It's very wrong, folks. It's downright dangerous because you forget that there's a potter and there's a clay. And you're not the potter. Shall the clay say to the potter, this is what I am or this is what I will be? No, you are a creation. You are made by God, you know, predestined for a purpose, for a goal. But many people don't find that. And then we start in the wrong place by, it's a consumerist approach to it. And then, as I say, I think it's a downright dangerous approach to it. So my advice to you is this. Do not begin by saying, Oh God, I'd like the gift of healing. Don't begin by saying anything. Don't begin in terms of giftings in you by asking for anything. You don't need to. Begin by finding out what's in you. You've already got a gift. Every single person here. But I would say by my estimation... 90% 90% of you don't know what it is. And that lack of knowledge or understanding or bravery or courage or sacrifice or whatever it is, will, it will stop you entering into the life and all its fullness and all the dynamics that God promised He would have for you. This is one of the things, one of the main things, at least initially, that can stop us from doing that. So my first very important point Do not ask God for stuff. You don't need to. What you need to do is do a self-analysis. Shut down your engines a minute and say, God, what have you given me? What is the gift within me? Point number two, every single person has got something. There are no exceptions. Everybody in the parable got something. There was a great variation, but they all had something. So every person in this room, without exception, have got something. You've got something. And your life really opens up. The future opens up. Spirituality opens up for you when you find that thing. Now, I know what your next question is. How do I know what it is? Everybody look up. Keep full attention. It's very important. How do you know what it is? Because this is where the problems start. I don't want you to tell me, really. I don't want you to tell me I am this. that's not the right place to start. Really, it's good if God tells you. That's what happened to me. I was asleep, going to sleep on my bed, and I got a word from God about who I am. That's a very good thing. Maybe not as common as most ways people find out. The most common way would be the second way, and that is that the church tells you. You know your gift. Let me give you one big, big warning. Who owns your gift? Um, mm, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, the earth he has given to man. Not really God, no. Not you either. The church. The gifts belong to the church. They do not belong to you. Okay? So God spoke to me as a very young believer, one word, and he said, preach. So I, what did I do with my gift? Keep it? No. Go to my elders, and I said, this is yours. I've got something that belongs to you. And I am available for you to do whatever you want, whenever you want, wherever you want. This is yours. It's in me, but it actually belongs to the church. Okay? The, the, everything you get must die. Your vision, for your vision to come to life, it must die. And some of you, why on earth, Jesus? Why would you take a servant and throw the servant into darkness? Why would you treat someone? Oh, I see, they stole their gift. They took, you gave them a precious, precious gift. That was to bring light to the world. And they were so selfish, they number. They, they hid it. They hid it. It wasn't theirs to hide. It doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to you. So don't be a consumer telling God what you want. It's not Pesco's. Rather be still and be silent. Let God tell you by being silent. You can fast and pray. It's a very good thing. Let God tell you and speak to you what your gift is. But most commonly, it will be the church that will come to you and tell you what you're gifted in. That's the best way because it's the church that owns the gifting anyway. Whoever is overseeing your life. It's like an orchestra. We could say, Jim, we don't need you to do anything this week. We don't need your gift. And just like an orchestra, you sit down and be quiet. Next week, we say, Jim, we need you. Right? That's how gifts work. They work at the command of the church. Sometimes be quiet, sometimes not. Sometimes we need you, sometimes we don't. This is how gifts function. They're not that you have, I do my gift. No! The gifts are the property of the church for the church to use, like a toolbox. For the pastor or leader of the church to choose whatever instruments are needed at any given time. If a tool needs sharpened, I might have a sharp tool. I'll put it down. I'll get another one that's very blunt and I'll bring that tool into focus. You understand? So relax about your gifting. It's not a competition. Just relax and let the gifts, you know, be managed by the church. But the best way of telling what your gift is for me is the effortlessness. When it's an effortless thing. I play snooker. Believe me, I'm not a good snooker player. He is. (laughs) I am not a good snooker player. I I wish I was, but I'm terrible. I remember seeing Stephen Henry, who's the best snooker player who's ever lived. And when he was like twelve or thirteen years old, I was watching him playing snooker. Whoa! I mean, just bam, 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 bam. And he I remember him saying to the cameras. I don't know what the fuss is about. What, why is everybody following me? What's the story? He didn't realize. Have you got any idea how hard that is? is it, you're gifted. It's the effortlessness. It's the effortlessness. Because when God, that's a real telltale sign. Now, the sad thing is now, who knew he was gifted? The people watching. There are people watching. He's saying, what's the problem? It's others that see it in you. It's others that call it out. You don't want to end up on Pop Idol now, do you? You see, do you know who that is? Self-selection. They put their own names forward. I'm going to be a superstar. I'm going to go on Pop Idol. Now, you've seen the result, haven't you? It's a good laugh, isn't it? (laughs) america's got talent britain's got talent so many people who decide that they're going to be something or do something and it's absolutely hysterical i mean goodness me have you seen some of them singing heavens above get a life what are you thinking about i mean who's your mother who haven't you got any friends you got any friends who can say this is not for you goodness me, self-selection. That's what that comes from. Someone choosing their own, they think, gift and then finding out that they actually haven't got it and also self-deceived. And these people are like, you know, you can throw a spanner in the works of the church. The church should smoothly run, but when you get someone who's trying to be the wrong thing, it's just like throwing a spanner into the, what should be the smooth operation of the church and your fulfillment comes from your part in that. Believe me. And many of you don't even know what I'm talking about, and that's the tragedy. Your fulfillment in life and your eternal reward. Wow. It's attached to the gift you were given. Can you hear me? I cannot overestimate. I, I, I don't want to preach this. I've got a, a pile of stuff on my windowsill this high at home that I need to do here. And I can't, but God spoke so strong. I want you, to do your work. I want you to talk to them, that's you, about this. Because God sees you leave this earth and go and stand before him and give an account for what? Not for what you dreamed about or wanted to be, but for what he gave you. Where's that bag of gold? Where's that gift? Each of us will give that account. This is a very important issue. Point three notice that everybody has got different uh, different gifts and god did not demand a return on gifts that he had not given but <laughs> i'm afraid false expectations are everywhere again look at me please listen carefully because i know you i know this is a big one for this church it's a big one for some of you false expectations the wrong expectation people slog their guts out for false expectations. Uh, I thank God I I haven't got a huge problem with this one. I never did. It's because I come last in a long family, in a big family, with nine brothers and sisters who were all very high achievers. So by the time I came along, I thought, listen, there's no contest. I may as well just sit down now. You know, I gave up right in the best possible way. I I gave up. I thought, you know what? I'm not even going to attempt to graduate and go to Oxford like Mary or, you know, blah, blah, blah. One after the other, they came through. You know, fantastic, great. But false expectations. I thank God my parents never did that to me anyway. Do you know who can put expectations on me for what I'm not? Me. I can. Because I compare myself with my brothers, my sisters, my colleagues. Don't do it, folks. Don't compare yourself with anyone you can live your whole life under your own expectations or those of your parents, those of your family. We must obey our parents. We must, you know, respect them till the day we die, not just till the day we leave home. We must always do that. We must honor our parents. But my mother's not God. <laughs> Sometimes you might think she is, but she's not, right? Right. You don't obey your parents when it comes to the ultimate decisions in life, okay? You cannot do that. That's very, very wrong. But family can put expectations on you that are not the expectations that God placed. And remember, the role of every parent is to bring the child up to be what God had destined them to be, not what they wanted them to be. There's a word for that, right? Not good. The role of every parent is to seek God for what God wants my child to be. You are entrusted with Samuel. You are to dedicate him, her, to God, and then give that child every open door to fulfill what you have heard in your quiet time about them. Not your dreams, not Mrs. Jones's daughter's a doctor, Mrs you know, whatever daughter's this, my daughter's good. Come on, guys, come on. Get with the game plan. We're, not, we're in the world, but we're not off it. Okay? So you can put pressure, my family, my society can put pressure, my work can put pressure. And goodness knows that's a huge thing. Your, your career-minded people can be really take on pressures and pressures and drive yourself crazy where burnout comes in, Right? And the church. The church can put pressure on you. Now, there's a right way and a wrong way with that. There's gift and function. Okay? So let's say someone's a gifted evangelist. You will know they're a gifted evangelist because people get saved, people get saved when a person is a gifted evangelist. By their fruits, you shall know them. Okay? Or any of the other gifts. You can spot it by the fruit therein. Point four. Some are more talented than others. And this, at first reading, this makes a little bit of a, a scary one. Some people have more gifts than others. One guy gets one bag of gold, and the other guy gets 10. Hey, Jesus, that's not fair, right? At, at first reading, it seems to be not fair. But if you read the whole story, he said that he apportioned the ability according to their ability. God knows exactly what He's doing. He only apportions according to your ability to cope with it. He's not going to destroy you by giving you giftings that you're not able or mature enough to handle. Okay? So the gifts are according to the ability. For example, to stand up here and lead worship like Leanne did this morning or Chris did last week, you need certain abilities. One of them is humility. Humility. You need to be able to separate yourself from that ministry, right? That's an ability. But if you're going to get a puffed-up, proud heart, do you think you can do this? No. And God will not give you that ability. He will entrust it to those who will not be destroyed by it, those who know who they are and are able to separate themselves, if you like, from their ministry. So God will not destroy you by just dumping any gift on you. He looks at you, assesses who you are, who you're going to be, and then he puts the gifts accordingly. So, listen carefully, folks. (laughs) There are things that God has withheld from you because you don't need them, because you can't handle them. Okay? You can't handle it. So, I can't give it to you, child. It would destroy you. You don't have the maturity for that. So, don't go seeking after things. Let God be God and let him, he knows you better than you know yourself, much, much better than you know yourself. I like the word ability because I think there's a lot in it. I think Pastor Elia is a very good example. Many people have come to me and said, oh, Pastor Elia is a man with great abilities. And in one sense, that's true in a natural, in a natural way. Um, But actually what what Elia is, he's a man with great passions. That's what he is. Many of you have abilities but you don't do anything. Many of you are very smart. You don't do anything with those abilities because there's no passion. There's no passion or drive. And Elias is actually not that much different from a lot of other people in terms of abilities, but what he is different is this. He's got the drive. He's got the ambition, good ambition I'm talking about. He's got the spiritual ambition to actually do something, and that's where the abilities come out. If you set your heart on a target you will hit the target. You will reach that. And whatever abilities, you'll get them. If you need to do this or be that, you'll become that to achieve the goal. You with me? So without passion and drive, good drive, your abilities will lie dormant within your life. And you become a bit of an enigma where people look at you and they say, there was so much potential in him. So much potential in her. And yet, they never really did anything, did they? They never, they were inconsequential. You know what's missing? Passion. Maybe sacrifice, but it's actually the drive that brings those abilities into, you know, uh, fruition. Number five, and this is a warning. It's a funny warning. Someone will always be better than you. We all have a gift, whether it's in kindness and caring and love and worship. Everybody in this place has got a gift. But you need to be aware that whatever you do, there there will always be someone better than you. So you need to accept that and you need to realize that nothing is a competition in the kingdom. Because believe me, this destroys many people. It's sad. It's very sad. Let me give you an example. Someone wants to be a worship leader, okay? Okay. So they get up and they train and they study and they do this and that and the other and then they get up and they lead worship for one day. And it's good. And then the next week someone comes in and they're fantastic. Do you know what the first person comes to us and says? I don't want to lead again. Oh, don't want to lead again. Well, why did you want to lead in the first place? Are you you comparing yourself with someone else? Is that what's going on here? There will always be someone better than you. So you cannot make your motive for what you do a comparative motive. That's the wrong road, the wrong route, okay? Gifts are different. They're, di- they're, they, they're different in their focus, different in their power, different in the person that holds them, in their efficacy. I've got a great example of this in Bulgaria. We had a big meeting, of about 300 people there one night, and there was a famous singer coming in, and he he was well known The whole band with him and he was mr dynamic you know he knew every move he was going to make he knew when his hand was going to be up there and when his leg was going to be here and he was well practiced at his art and you know what he was good he was good and he finished and and then someone called out this young lad and elia looked back and elia nudged me and he said "Uh uh-oh wait till you hear this guy. And this young skinny fella got up and I thought, well, he must have a good pair of lungs because he certainly looks like a weedy little thing. Whoa. He started to sing. You know when people, some people can sing and they absolutely move you. That place just moved. One of them was functioning very well. He had practiced his skill, but the other one was gifted. That's the difference. And you know what the difference is? The response. That's where you by the fruit. By the fruit you shall, by the response in the people. And my warning to you is we need to function, folks. Last Sunday, Everson, I lost count of the number. I meant to get some hats and put all different hats on you today. <laughs> he did so many jobs I lost count. First of all, you had to come in and do this equipment setup, then you had to go and get the students, then you had to come back here and do this, then you had to go over and do that. There was about eight or nine hats. We need to do this, folks. We need to do the work of the church. It's not what I'm gifted in, it's just functioning. But you need to find your gift, right? I reckon, this is my personal assessment, 75% of my time will be spent doing work, functioning for the church. 25% is a very good estimate that should be devoted to that which I'm gifted in, okay? And unless the church determines otherwise. You should probably estimate that for for your life balance. I think it's a very, you can't just go, I'm a worship leader, I'm going to spend all my time leading worship. No, there are very few of those in the world. Very few. Some, not many. And that's an exceptional gift. That's an international gift type thing. Okay? So keep a balance. Keep a balance in what you're doing. And make an assessment of yourself. Are you functioning? Which is very good. I commend you for that. Or are you gifted? The difference will be in the response of the people. That's how you tell the difference. Sixthly, gifts are distributed, as we said, uh, based on ability. But gifts, unfortunately, within the church, they have a nasty habit of bringing out some very bad traits within people. And if you lead a few churches over a period of time, like I've done, you start to realize that the prayer team in this church, the people in it, have the same problem as the prayer team in this church and the prayer team in this church and the prayer oh I see the the worship team in this church has got the same problems as the worship team in this church and you suddenly realize that certain giftings tend to have certain problems like worship teams what are the problems with worship teams (laughs) there's a lot of them sensitivity they call it sensitivity it's actually bad temper okay That's what it is. It's not sensitivity. Sensitivity makes me very gentle, very able to get on with people. The the opposite of that is what it it truly is. Worship teams around the globe suffer with this. It's one of the, the, the traits that go with that gift. What about the prayer team, the intercessors? Where's Elson? What's the problem often with them? Pride. Pride, because you spend time with God. You've got to be careful because pride will get you. What about the evangelists? It's always always the same with evangelists. Self-righteousness. We're the only ones. We're the only heroes. God, they're all dead. There's only us left. There's only me. Goodness me. This is the evangelist. Every church you'll go to, it's the same old thing that attaches itself to the gift. Okay? So there's nothing new with these things. You may think you're unique. You may think you're the first person to... Try this or go down that you are not. There are Gazig, there's 7,000 people before you, pal. Okay? So it's better that we learn from other people's mistakes and don't have to reinvent the wheel. Point seven, and I guess this is the heart of it. If you use the gift you have, you will receive more. Oh, yeah, forgot to say one thing. Look up. <laughs> this is my opinion. As I have looked after, different churches i've noticed something repeat itself over and over and over again the people who hide who are they who do you think hides their gift worshipers no evangelists no hushers no who hides it and i've noticed a pattern two people two particular groups tend to hide okay more than others everybody can hide but more than others the first is helps the helps ministry because they start to feel like a dog's body they start to feel like a servant of all and in the church you'll find that many people even though they're gifted in this they don't want the title of helps minister or helps person or handyman because they think it's demeaning to them in fact i lived with a person just like that he was too frightened to ask me what i thought (laughs) god help him it wasn't a good story he was too frightened he knew i would tell him the truth i lived with him for about a year and he wanted to be a worship team backing singer there was only one problem what was the problem (laughs) couldn't sing so anyway the worship team were very gracious to him and he tried and this that and the other he was the helps guy. That's who he was. He could do everything. But he wanted nothing to do with it. And one day, out of sheer frustration, he, he, I remember sitting at breakfast table or whatever, and he turned to me and he, <gasps> I, I could he, he's, he's getting ready to ask me. <laughs> what do you think my gift is? I said, Keith, you have the helps ministry. Do you know what he did? He covered his face, hid. He hid himself in his own hands. Foolishness, foolishness. Please listen. In Jesus' name, may God, may you advance these people. Please listen. My advice to that man was this. Are you going to hide your gift? Listen! You have one bag of gold. Slap on your lapel. I am a helps minister. Don't hide it. Don't hide it. Become the thing that God has given you. That thing has got to do a work in you. Are you proud? It's like God knows what he's doing. He has given you a gift, and that gift will shape you. It will make you. I think you're proud. I think you don't want to be known as a helps minister. You want to be known as a worship leader. But God will take the pride from you. How? By helps. When you, earn, when you work your first gift and you put that to work, you don't hide it, you will become a faithful servant. Then God looks at others and He says, you know what, this person's done nothing. Take the five gifts off them and add it to the person who... Do you understand me? helps is the first one, administration is the second one. These are the two gifts that in my experience, people hide the most. They do not want the label of being helped. So actually cleaning is fine, even though we struggle to keep cleaning things together, but it's actually fine, it's not a problem. But admin and helps. People don't want the label. And my point is, they defeat themselves because that is not the way the story of the of the talents went if the man with one bag of gold had accepted it and put it to work and identified himself with it right what would have happened more you can do this and you can do that sorry leanne for using you as an example but you're the best example we've got except me of course i don't mean excluding myself so you look at her up there this morning. Now, Leanne is the Sunday school leader. That's her gift. She's a very good Sunday school leader. Fantastic. It's a very difficult ministry. But <laughs> what's going on here? Oh, she's a cell leader, by the way. If you need to go to Strathclyde, you can go. And Oh, hang on, that's two. And she's also leading the Revive. Very well. I love the evenings, So don't miss tonight at 6. Hang on, Leanne. How many bags have you got there? But of course... If I go to you and I say, we want you to teach in the Sunday school, Sunday school <laughs> not me, not me. You think I'm a, a, a children's worker? Is that, is that what you think of me? And people end up missing the very track of God. God's got to go. But you will not get the thing. You don't know what's in you, I think. We don't know the things that are in us, and God does. And so he gives the gift, the first gift. Everybody, l- please listen, very, very careful, because I know why some of you are stuck. He gives the first gift, and maybe you won't like it. I didn't want my gift. Remember, I told you. I made an agreement with God. This is, you can laugh if you want. I won't be offended. But it's the truth, because I had a speech impediment when I got saved very quickly. Remember, I said to God, God, I will do whatever. I was brokenhearted that he had saved me. And I made an agreement, as I thought with God. I will do anything you ask. The one thing I can't do is preach. That's it. So we're going to park that. And apart from that, I'll do anything you ask. And I was very happy. And then the word came in my ear. That's the thing you're going to... I did not want it. Do you understand? But you have to accept it. And I did so with tears in my eyes, brokenhearted and terrified, shaking in my shoes ring up the elder, and they have no idea what it costs me to make that phone call. No idea. I mean, I'm not joking. I'm not making it up. I'm walking in the park and crying my eyes out because I've got a stutter. And I can't stand there. I'm going to look like an idiot. And with tears in my eyes, but I've got to accept what God has given me. Or I'll go nowhere. Nothing's going to happen in my life. And so there was fear in me. There was all sorts of things in me. And by accepting the thing that God gave me and becoming that, it opens the door to your future. People think they're smart by trying to hide the gift that they really have, thinking that they have chosen something and they're going to achieve it. You will not. You will not achieve it. You're, You're destined for a life of hard labor, functioning in something that's outside your role. I'm not saying God won't give you the gifts you desire. I'm not saying that. That's a different point. What I'm saying is you're not the master. You're not the potter. You're the clay. And the first responsibility as I see it is for me to accept who I am. And and with that in hand, I identify myself as what God has made me wholeheartedly. And I give that to the church. And then... God begins to apportion other gifts, Leanne. And then you start to accumulate and indeed multiply your eternal reward and your reward in this life. But it doesn't start at the top. It never did, did it? Ask Joseph, ask Moses what the basket was like. It doesn't start at the top. Ask Daniel. God needs to get the stuff out of you That's blocking him advancing you in the kingdom to get to, you know, gifts of power, which are a different category. Won't go into that this morning, but... And number eight. Be aware that the only person punished in this story was the person who was too embarrassed to be identified with what they saw as a small portion. It was a small gift. And they didn't want to be seen to have one when other people had ten. And because of that, never mention the fact that I've got one. And my counsel to you this morning is this. (laughs) If you have never sought God for who you are, then please. I'm not talking about your parents or your pastors or anything else. I'm talking about you alone, just you. If you have never sought God to reveal to you who you are, then please do it now. It is not too late. It's not too late, I guarantee you. He can take you right now and change your world and change your future. Once you've accepted the first gift, it's then that things can start getting exciting. And God can start to add and add based on your reception and abilities, of course, not to destroy you. But my opinion, you don't have to agree. My opinion, this is one of the reasons why there's a dearth of spiritual power. Because of failure to be servants to the Master and wanting to be master of all, master of who I am and what I do, it's a big mistake. And I hope that you don't make it. I hope you don't make it. Who are you? Who are you? Someone here maybe is dying they sick. They've got cancer. And one of you has the gift of healing. But because you wouldn't be an usher, you never arrived there. Because you hid your gift, you never matured, you never grew up, and then we think, oh, there's no gifts. Oh, there's plenty of gifts of healing. All right. Every church has all they need. We don't lack anything. But in you, buried, under culture, mommy and daddy, education, health, you name it, inside of you, deep down de- there. It is. There's the treasure. There's the gift that God placed in me. That God has placed in. It's there. It's there. And I ask you to find it. Find it. It's the key. To the future, the key to your future. Okay? Let me invite the worship team back. Just stay with your heads bowed one moment. Oh, Father God, Lord, we give you, I just want to give you a moment to pray to God and ask Him to forgive you, and I ask Him to forgive me. Father, if I have been bombastic in the kingdom, telling you what to do, telling you what I want like a child in a sweetie shop, forgive me, God. This is not about me. This is about you. And like musicians in an orchestra this morning, we present ourselves waiting for you, the conductor, to point at us, to call us out. And I pray for your grace and mercy to reach this place this morning and call out the gifts within every person here. I pray not one will lose their gift, but they will find it. Find it. In Jesus' name, find it. Holy Spirit. Shine down in this place and reveal it. I pray tonight as we, at 6.30, we meet to revive our spirits. I pray you will continue to help us embrace who you've made us to be. Not to shy away or run away, but saturate ourselves in who we are. God, I identify myself as a Christian. I identify myself with everything you've made me. And I accept it. I accept it. I accept your work. I accept your hand in my life.